Welcome to On Fire. This is the On Fire podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Allen. Uh, so I have a, a daughter who is currently serving a full-time mission, and she thought it might be helpful uh, for really kind of for everybody, but but maybe uh, for those who are preparing to serve a mission or uh, those whose mission rules allow for them to listen to uh, a podcast to, to talk about uh, the Preach My Gospel manual and maybe offer some uh, some teaching helps there, and so um, I thought that was a good opportunity. And and I hope I hope you won't tune out if you're not a missionary or if you're not preparing for a mission, uh, because this is just this is the gospel, and um, and I think there are useful things in it for all of us. In fact, this is in the introduction uh, to preach my gospel. Uh, we read this, so this applies to everybody. It says, Preach my gospel is as much for members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints as it is for the full-time missionaries of the Church. The principles and doctrine taught in this guide are applicable to all members as they seek to build the Lord's kingdom. Frequent study of this material will help members better answer gospel questions, learn and teach the doctrine of Christ's gospel, fulfill their responsibilities as member missionaries, and foster unity with the full-time missionaries. Okay, so that... It's, that includes everybody, so so uh, please don't go away uh, just because you're not serving a mission or prepared to preparing to. Um, you need to know how to teach the gospel, uh, regardless of your age or uh, or calling or position in life. Um, I love the preach my gospel manual. I uh, I had a really hard time with with the way that the previous. Um, missionary teaching program was structured with with the six discussions um, that were memorized and given in order. Uh, there was not um, opportunity for much flexibility, and, and it was not really tailored to uh, meeting people's needs. And, and maybe that was uh, due to the, the caliber of missionaries that were teaching. Maybe we just weren't uh, ready for it. But I think this is a truly inspired uh, way of teaching, and, and hopefully... You're familiar with this. If not, um, I, I urge you to, to get familiar, to get into that manual and, and to, to read it. Uh, I'll share some of it with you, but um, um, but really just want to emphasize certain points and clarify some things and, and maybe offer some uh, something that's helpful uh, as you prepare to, to teach the gospel. Um, so this episode, we're going to go over uh, some of the introduction uh, to, to preach my gospel and um, specifically what a, a missionary's purpose is uh, of the church. Okay, so this this is for uh, this is from the the manual itself, the preach my gospel manual, which is available if you don't have a printed copy. It's available in the uh, library app, the, the formerly Gospel Library. I think it's just called Library, but it's a, a, a church app. Um, and uh, it's it's on that in, in uh, sharing the gospel I think is the tab that you can find that under and you can look up the um, the manual that way so it says this you are surrounded by people you pass them on the street visit them in their homes and travel among them they are all children of God your brothers and sisters God loves them just as he loves you many of these people are searching for purpose in life they're concerned for their future and their families they need the sense of belonging that comes from the knowledge that they are children of God, members of his eternal family. They want to feel secure in a world of changing values. They want peace in this world and eternal life in the world to come. But they are kept from the truth because they know not where to find it. 
The gospel of Jesus Christ is restored by the Savior through the prophet Joseph Smith will bless them and their families, meet their spiritual needs, and help them fulfill their deepest desires. Although they may not know why, they need relief from feelings of loneliness and guilt that come from sin. They need to experience the joy of redemption by receiving forgiveness of their sins and enjoying the gift of the Holy Ghost. I think that's interesting, just uh, a, a general a generalization really of of the human condition, but um, I've seen a few videos, I think maybe they're on college campuses and the interviewer asks the person if if they're happy and, and then to rate their happiness on a scale of one to 10. And, um, and some of them, I don't know that, I don't know if people really know what happiness is. Um, I'll see some say that they're happy, they're a nine or a 10. And I'm, I'm glad, but I think that just means that they are maybe in a good mood or they're just, um, they're kind of content, but I don't know that they really understand what happiness is because we, we find true happiness in the gospel of Jesus Christ and by knowing and walking with our Savior. So I, I think that's important to note that a lot of people, maybe the majority of people, um, may be somewhat content, or at least they say they are with their lives, but they just may not know what it is that they're missing and how much more there is uh, available to improve their lives. Okay, continuing with the manual here, it says, As an authorized representative of Jesus Christ, you can teach people with power and authority that redemption cometh in and through the Holy Messiah, and that no one can dwell in the presence of God, save it be through the merits and mercy and grace of the Holy Messiah. That's from Second Nephi 2, 6 and 8. As people come to accept the restored gospel of Jesus Christ and receive the ordinances of baptism and confirmation by priesthood authority, they can be assured that they are not cast off forever. This is very important here. As your understanding of the Savior's sacrifice, also known as the atonement of Jesus Christ, grows, your desire to share the gospel will increase. You will feel, as Lehi did, the great importance to make these things known unto the inhabitants of the earth. And that's one of my favorite uh, verses in the Book of Mormon, 2 Nephi 2, verse 8. I think that's critical. And, and again, this applies to everyone, not just to missionaries or future missionaries, um, but all of us, as your understanding of the Savior's sacrifice, also known as the atonement of Jesus Christ, as it grows, your desire to share the gospel will increase. Uh, you'll understand the, the great uh, significance of, of the Savior's atonement, and you'll want everyone to, to share in it and to, to benefit from it, to be blessed by it. Um, and I think for a lot of people... Um, I mean, hopefully outside of the church, but maybe inside of the church as well, understanding, and I think this is true with youth, understanding why they need a Savior has to be has to come before anything else. They won't care about anything else. if you. They won't care about anything that you have to share and won't become converted to Jesus Christ if they don't comprehend their need for him. Uh, in a, a recent um, teacher's quorum meeting, that's where I'm serving now as, as an advisor, in my ward. Uh, in that meeting, uh, a counselor in the bishopric reminded the young men in the quorum about uh, an experience they had at their summer camp uh, last year, last summer. Uh, as some of you may, may know, young men love fire. They love to build fires. They love to watch fires. They love to, to burn things. Uh, and I'm right there with them. I think fires are fascinating. Um, but anyway, at, at their camp last summer, they took about three wooden pallets and 
unfortunately, the the axe throwing target that I had made for them, which I didn't appreciate, but uh, I put all of that in the fire. They they made a big bonfire, and with that much fuel and and the way the wood was spaced out on a pallet, um, it made an impressive bonfire. And they enjoyed watching those pallets burn. And and uh, uh, but they were they were forced to back away from the area. Uh, that the fire was in because of the extreme heat that it was generating. They physically couldn't be close to the flames without being scorched by the heat. Uh, and I thought about that and um, and realized that our, our Father in Heaven lives in a different state of being than we do here on, here on earth. And according to the, prof, the prophet Joseph Smith, he said, God Almighty himself dwells in eternal fire. Flesh and blood cannot go there, for all corruption is devoured by the fire. Our God is a consuming fire. All men who are immortal dwell in everlasting burnings. And then Brigham Young explained it this way. He said, But it is now written of him that our God is as a consuming fire, that he dwells in everlasting burnings, and this is why sin cannot be where he is. So just like the, these young men at camp couldn't bear the heat of the fire, corrupted mortal beings like us can't endure the presence of God. It's not that we aren't welcome. We, we actually can't be there. Uh, we would be consumed and perish. So something needs to change in us in order for us to come back and, and be in the presence of our Heavenly Father and other celestial beings. So speaking of of those who will dwell in celestial glory, the Lord said this. This is in Doctrine and Covenants 130, verses 7 and 8. But they reside in the presence of God on a globe like a sea of glass and fire, where all things for their glory are manifest past, present, and future, and are continually before the Lord. The place where God resides is a great Urim and Thummim. Uh, so the, that sea of glass and fire acts like a Urim and Thummim. That's how... All things are before the Lord, past, present, and future um, can can be seen. Um, so the the things about us that are corrupted, um, our physical bodies, our, our sin-stained spirits, have to be purified and changed in order for us to become incorruptible. Uh, the problem is that, that me and you are absolutely powerless to make that happen. We can't prevent our eventual, our eventual physical death, and we can't live without sinning. Uh, to, to some degree. So those are, those are the effects of the fall of Adam and Eve uh, that we've inherited, and we're helpless to change those. We need saving. We need a Savior. Uh, the, the prophet Jacob in the Book of Mormon gave us a, a hypothetical scenario of our condition without a Savior uh, or without the Savior's infinite atonement. Uh, he and I, We went over this in a previous podcast, but just... Uh, just for review, uh, this is Second Nephi 9, starting in verse 7. Jacob teaches this, Wherefore it must needs be an infinite atonement, save it should be an infinite atonement, this corruption could not put on incorruption. Wherefore the first judgment which came upon man must needs have remained to an endless duration. That first judgment being physical death. And if so, this flesh must have laid down to rot and to crumble to its mother earth to rise no more. Okay, so that would be the end of the physical body. Death would be the end uh, without Christ's uh, atonement and resurrection. Uh, bodies would lay down, rot, crumble, rise no more. Be, just be done. 
Uh, verse 8, O oh, the wisdom of God, his mercy and grace, for behold, if the flesh should rise no more, our spirits must become subject to that angel who fell from before the presence of the eternal God and became the devil to rise no more. So if our, uh, if our, at death our spirit obviously separates from our physical body, so our spirit still exists, we're just, we're sitting there continuing to exist without a body, and so, again, this scenario is without Jesus Christ's atonement, um, we would become subject to uh, to the devil because he would be probably the most powerful spirit that would be in the realm where we would exist. Going on in verse 9, And our spirits must have become like unto him, and we become devils, angels to a devil, to be shut out from the presence of our God, and to remain with the father of lies in misery like unto himself. Oh, how great the goodness of our God, who prepareth a way for our escape from the, off, from the grasp of this awful monster, yea, that monster death and hell, which I call the death of the body and also the death, the death of the spirit. Um, for me, this, this is helpful. The reason I mention it, I think it's helpful to understand how helpless I am to have any type of a decent future without Jesus Christ. Even those who don't choose a celestial glory in the end won't, won't have to endure uh, being a disembodied angel to the devil for all eternity. They'll be resurrected and receive a degree of glory. Um, and for some, that's that's enough, and that's that's all they'll, they'll choose. Um, but there's so much more. You're, uh, you know, you're you're taking a, a you'd be taking a, a an olive out of the uh, out of an hors d'oeuvre bowl uh, when there's an entire feast sitting before you um, with with celestial glory available. I remember being a young teenager and experiencing what was really only a small part of the consequences of of my sins. But I remember feeling cut off from the spirit of the Lord. I remember feeling the weight of of justice. Um, and, and I realized that my actions had put me in a state of unworthiness before God, and there was nothing I could do on my own to change that. I knew in that moment I could never stand again in the presence of God in that condition, in a sinful condition. Um, and that would have been such a hopeless feeling had I not been aware that there was someone who could help. I would have been in absolute despair had I not been taught that there is someone who is willing and able to take me in my in my guilty and corrupted state and make me clean and whole. And after confessing to Heavenly Father in prayer and, and pleading for forgiveness, uh, I scheduled an appointment with my bishop and confessed my sins to him. And after doing these things and sincerely committing to change and to be a better disciple, uh, and that's what repentance is, is, is changing, is, is, is a commitment to change and to be different. But after doing that, I felt the weight and the guilt of that sin lifted from me. And, and that was my first real, uh, or, or at least the, the most powerful up to that point, experience with Jesus Christ. And it, and it was invaluable to me. Uh, not only did I learn that redemption was possible, I learned that, I, I learned for certain that Jesus Christ was real. In a real way, I experienced his power, his forgiveness and healing. And I could testify that he lives. Uh, 
something outside of my of my own power occurred and I was changed. Um, and that is miraculous and evidence of the existence of Christ, uh, especially as a Savior, as as the Savior. Um, and unfortunately, I've, I've made other bad choices and I've had to repeat that process frequently, but I learned early on that sincere repentance always elicits a response from Jesus Christ, that he is eager and anxious to forgive and that he can heal completely regardless of the nature of the sin. He uh, has power to uh, to take it upon him and to make us clean and healed. Each of us need to have this type of experience. It doesn't require that we commit a grievous or serious sin. Uh, even the best of us have, sin, have sinned in, in one way or another. Uh, we learn that in Romans 3, right? Verse 23, for all have sinned, and come short of the glory of God. Once we understand this reality and our need for a Savior, we can invite Him into our lives and, and enjoy the peace and healing that only He can provide. Without this, everything we teach and believe is, is basically theoretical and empty. So if you have experience with Jesus Christ, not just as an example or a friend or an elder brother, but as your Savior and your Redeemer, you can help others to do the same by teaching and by testifying from a position of experience rather than just providing conceptual information uh, about him or, or outlining, um, outlining doctrine. Uh, when you can come from a position of experience, uh, you, you have power and it, and it brings the spirit and helps to convince others uh, that, that what you're saying is true. And we shouldn't assume... Uh, that everyone who claims to be a Christian or everyone who's read the Bible understands why they need a Savior and, and how his atonement can bless their life. In my experience, there are surprisingly few people who identify as Christian who can explain why Jesus died for them and why they need him. They, they understand the events and they understand that it was for them, but they may not know or, or they may not really be able to conceptualize why uh, why that was necessary, why they needed a Savior. Um, let me go on from the Preach My Gospel manual. It says this, You are called to represent Jesus Christ in helping people become clean from their sins and find greater happiness and joy. You do this by inviting them to come unto Jesus Christ and become converted to his restored gospel. President Dallin H. Oaks taught, We have also said much about the inspired summary of our work teach repentance, and baptize converts. But converts to what? To Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Redeemer, to his doctrine, to his restored gospel, to his authority, to his name. That's the end of the quote from President Oaks. Uh, it, it's common for missionaries and members of the church to focus too much, I think, on bringing people into the church rather than connecting them to Christ so that they can be converted to him. If they become converted to him, truly, they will want to unite with others who have done the same, and they will want to to make and keep covenants under the authority that, and, and, and the organization that he, Christ, has established. Back to the manual here. It says, To come to the Savior, people must have faith in him unto repentance, making the necessary changes to bring their life into agreement with his teachings. You can help people develop such faith by teaching them the restored gospel by the Spirit and inviting them to commit to live according to its teachings. 
Keeping this commitment prepares them for the covenant of baptism and confirmation and the, pre- and the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. They are to put off the natural man and become a saint through the atonement of Jesus, of the atonement of Christ the Lord. All right, uh, so um, that's essential. What you're asking people to do is to is to is to change. It's not just to change their habits, not just to stop smoking or drinking, but to to change uh, their entire being and character. Um, in in John chapter three, Jesus is meeting secretly with Nicodemus, a Pharisee, and Jesus points Nicodemus to two realities when it comes to being part of the kingdom of God. I don't know if you've looked at it this way. I'm sure you've read this, but um, but listen to this. So this is John three chapter, or excuse me, verse three. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? So he's kind of incredulous there. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. All right, so a a person must be born again to a degree to even recognize the kingdom of God when it's presented to them to to see. Uh, This is the first and and more often than not the most difficult step. Um, This rebirth or change of heart is preliminary to being born of water and of the Spirit in order to enter into the kingdom of God. And as a missionary or someone sharing the gospel, your calling uh, is to invite all people to repent and keep the Lord's commandments so that they can see or recognize that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the kingdom of God. Once they recognize that they'll want to become part of it through the ordinances of baptism and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, uh, then they, they gain entrance into the kingdom. For virtually all other Christians, eternal life is viewed the same as salvation. Uh, it's solely an individual situation. Understanding restored truths lets us know that salvation may be for individuals, but eternal life or exaltation involves a family. Uh, President Russell M. Nelson taught this in in a recent uh, general conference address. He said, In the coming day, when you will complete your mortal probation and enter the spirit world, you will be brought face to face with that heart-wrenching question, Where is my family? Resurrection assures that every person who ever lived will indeed be resurrected and live forever. Much more is required of uh, if we want to have the privilege of exaltation. Salvation is an individual matter, but exaltation is a family matter. That was from April of, of 2019. Um, let me re- just get back to the manual a little bit here the, the, for the, to the Preach My Gospel manual. Uh, under the heading, The Gospel Blesses Individuals and Families. The message of the restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ blesses individuals and families. Because of the restoration, we understand God's purpose for his children. The divine plan of happiness enables family relationships to be perpetuated beyond the grave. Sacred ordinances and covenants available in holy temples make it possible for individuals to return to the presence of God and for families to be united eternally. Uh, so just kind of highlighting the, the, the fact that we are hoping to unite uh, families and hoping that families will come into the church, but, but not, not just families. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. Going on from the manual, on earth, family associations can be the source of some of our greatest joy. 
Satan is attacking the family on many fronts, and too many families are being destroyed by his efforts. The message of the restored gospel of Jesus Christ is that all individuals are part of God's family, and that families can be united now and in eternity. By living the principles of the gospel, families can experience peace, joy, and a sense of belonging and identity in this life. Through the light of the gospel, families can resolve misunderstandings, contentions, and challenges. Families torn by discord can be healed through repentance, forgiveness, and faith in the power of the atonement of Jesus Christ. Happiness in life is most likely to be achieved when founded upon the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is from the proclamation on the family. Successful marriages and families are established and maintained on principles of faith, prayer, repentance, forgiveness, respect, love, compassion, work, and wholesome recreational activities. Strive, this is instructing missionaries now, strive to find and teach families, a father, mother, and children who can support one another in living the gospel and eventually be sealed as a family unit by restored priesthood authority. Okay, that's great and that's ideal. That In many Western societies, it's become increasingly difficult to find intact families to teach. Uh, even in the church, a large percentage of adults are single. Um, it's important for the people you share the gospel with to understand that this life is not the only opportunity they might have to receive the blessings of eternal families. Those single individuals without children and, and widowed or divorced individuals with children don't need to be in despair or be without hope or think that the gospel isn't for them, the restored gospel isn't, isn't for them. Uh, faithful singles who, who depart from this life without intact families will have opportunities in the next life to establish eternal relationships. Uh, so that our focus there needs to be on, on being faithful, on making covenants, keeping covenants, and, and being faithful so that we can continue to have those opportunities. Uh, as missionaries, some of the, the greatest successes and joys will come from helping families where one spouse is a member and the other isn't, or, uh, or parents who are members but their children aren't. Uh, some of those scenarios where, where there's uh, what we would call a part member family, um, helping those families uh, to come together in unity of faith and, and become an eternal unit through the ordinances of baptism and later uh, being sealed together in the temple. The love that exists in families uh, can help to, to soften hearts and to, uh, to lead all family members to Christ. Uh, so that's a fantastic thing. That's something to look for as a missionary uh, is uh, maybe someone who, uh, whether they're active in the church or not, um, these part member families, they can be blessed by um, by having everyone taught the gospel, but those who have not entered into covenant to, to do so and, uh, and to become converted to Jesus Christ so that the family can be healed and so that the family can be saved and so that they can become uh, an eternal unit. Okay. Um, you know, shift gears a little bit. The, the heading is teaching by the Spirit. Um, and I want to talk about that a little bit. This is super, super important. And again, for missionaries, but also for all of us as members, uh, when we teach, it needs to be by the Spirit if it's going to have uh, a positive effect. Your duty and, and opportunity as a missionary is to preach is to preach and teach the gospel. Now, the difference between preaching and teaching is in the response of the hearer. Preaching is is one way. It's a declaration of truth spoken to someone. 
and teaching is interactive and personal. Hopefully your initial preaching turns into teaching, uh, teaching others eternal truths that are, that are life-altering and, and soul-saving is a great responsibility, and, and it can be daunting and intimidating. The great news for you is that you don't have to do it alone, or even just with your companion if you are a full-time missionary. In fact, if it's, if, if it's just the two of you teaching, or just you, you'll be likely, you'll, you'll likely uh, be ineffective. Um, and helping someone to understand and, and believe and, be, and become converted. The Holy Ghost functioning in his role as a teacher and as a witness is far more effective than you are, regardless of your knowledge or your talent as a teacher. Okay, so back to the Preach My Gospel manual here. It says, Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, the mes message of the restoration of the gospel must be taught by divine power, the power of the Holy Ghost, who is the third member of the Godhead. He is often called the Spirit, and the one and one of his roles, and one of his roles is to teach and testify of the truth. As you teach by that power, the Holy Ghost will teach you new truths and bring the doctrine you have you have studied to your remembrance. And it references uh, John fourteen twenty six. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Okay, the next thing he'll do is give you words to speak in the very moment you need them. Okay, and it references Doctrine and Covenants 84-85, which says, Neither take ye thought beforehand what ye shall say, but treasure up in your minds continually the words of life, and it shall be given you in the very hour that portion that shall be meted unto every man. Okay, now, does this mean that you, you don't need to prepare or, be, or, or study? Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> Let's make that clear. If you are treasuring up in your minds continually the words of life, uh, then the Spirit can give you the words to say. If, if you have studied and if you have put forth effort, uh, the Spirit can magnify that. If you have done nothing and have been casual, not so much. Okay, the next thing the Spirit will do is carry your message to the hearts of the people you teach. 2 Nephi 31.1 When a man speaketh by the power of the Holy Ghost, the power of the Holy Ghost carrieth it unto the hearts of the children of men. It's important to understand that. Um, when you speak by the power of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost carries it. What, is, what, is, what does that mean? The heart? Are we talking about the, the physical organ that pumps blood? Uh, or are we talking about a spiritual center? Is that kind of where our spirit is centered uh, in us, and and I think that's that's what that is, um, that the Holy Ghost communicates spirit to spirit. That's why He is a spirit, so that He can, can do that. Can He can dwell in us and deliver uh, messages into our spiritual center. Okay, the next thing He'll do is testify of the truthfulness of your message and confirm your words. Doctrine and Covenants one hundred five through eight. Therefore, verily I say unto you, lift up your voices unto this people, speak the thoughts that I shall put into your hearts, and you shall not be confounded before men. For it shall be given you in the very hour, yea, in the very moment, what ye shall say. But a commandment I give unto you, that ye shall declare whatsoever thing ye declare in my name, in solemnity of heart, in the spirit of meekness, in all things. And I give unto you this promise, that inasmuch as ye do this, the Holy Ghost shall be shed forth in bearing record unto all things whatsoever ye shall say. Okay, the next thing is 
The Spirit will help you discern the needs of the people you are teaching. Uh, and references Alma 12, verse 7. Now when Alma had spoken these words, Zeezrom began to tremble more exceedingly, for he was convinced more and more the power of God, more of the power of God. And he was also convinced that Alma and Amulek had not had a knowledge of him, for he was convinced that they knew the thoughts and intents of his heart. For power was given unto them that they might know of these things according to the spirit of prophecy. Um, okay, some of the I think some of the greatest miracles you will witness as a missionary are those the Lord will perform through you. Uh, you might be led to a specific person. You might um, you might perceive something in the life of the person you're teaching that isn't apparent or, or obvious. Um, you might help someone know that God's aware of them individually by, by something you say or do or just by your showing up. Um, I've heard, I've heard a lot of stories where people were praying that, that God would do something, that he would uh, send them somewhere or something to, to help them, and then missionaries arrive, and then they follow the Spirit. That kind of thing happens quite, quite frequently. Um, and, and with the Spirit as your true companion, um, the Lord can work through you to reach his children in a, in a variety of ways. Um, it's amazing to see that happen. Um, I know for myself, I, I was and am uh, weak and have very little to offer on my own, but when the Lord decides to, uh, to work through us, um, it can be a powerful thing and we can do things that are beyond our capacity and bless others around us. Okay, so um, back to the manual here. It says, The Spirit is essential for teaching the truths of the gospel in a way that builds faith in others. As you strive to develop the faith to rely on the Spirit, you should pray for the Spirit, purify your heart, keep the commandments, diligently treasure up God's Word, teach so that others understand your message and are edified, and exercise faith. You have been set apart for your sacred calling with the promise that the Spirit will be given as you meet the requirements set by the Lord. Enjoying the gifts of the Spirit should be one of your most earnest desires. Okay, I think that um, as a, whether as a missionary or just as someone who shares the gospel, uh, through experience, you'll come to learn the difference between working and teaching on your own and with the Spirit. You'll be able to, to feel and to sense uh, when the Spirit is with you and, and, and what it's uh, doing through you, or what He is doing through you. Uh, and, and that ought to put you in a position where you crave the presence of the Spirit and where you'll do whatever is necessary to keep the Spirit with you. Uh, I remember serving as a missionary and, and becoming so sensitive to the Spirit that I refused to drive over the speed limit or to uh, look at any inappropriate billboards or images or, or speak unkindly uh, to or, or about anyone because... I was desperate for the companionship of the Holy Ghost, and I didn't want to offend him or create any kind of distance uh, between the two of us. And I wasn't able to do that perfectly, but I was I was confident that my efforts, that my best efforts were were enough and were honored, um, and then I could feel the Spirit working through me, uh, and it is a, a powerful thing. Um, and then under, under the heading, the power and authority of your calling. Um, I'll just share this. In Matthew 28, the, the resurrected Jesus 
directed his apostles and said this, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And in the time of the restoration, the Lord declared uh, to, he declared this to, to his newly called 12 apostles. This is section 18 of the Doctrine and Covenants, uh, 27 through 29. The 12 shall be my disciples and they shall take upon them my name. They are called to go into all the world to preach my gospel to every creature. And they are and and they are they who are ordained of me to baptize in my name according to that which is written. So it is the responsibility of the quorum of the twelve to take the gospel to all nations, to all the world, to every creature. That's a huge task for twelve men. That's a huge task for for millions of men and women. Uh, and the twelve obviously need need help to get to every nation and to every creature. And that's why you've been called if you're a missionary. Uh, your calling and responsibility is an extension of the calling and responsibility of the Twelve. Your calling as a missionary comes from the president of the church, and your specific assignment comes from a member of the Twelve. I think that's a really that's a really a cool thing. Uh, as a missionary, when you're set apart, you really are connected to that top leadership of the church, and, and are an extension of them. Uh, and ultimately, you're you're a representative of Jesus Christ. Okay, uh, this from the manual. As a missionary, you have authority to preach the gospel. President Dallin H. Oaks has taught, whoever functions in an office or calling received from one who holds priesthood keys exercises priesthood authority in performing his or her assigned duties. As you prayerfully and worthily exercise that authority, you will receive spiritual power, which is evidence of the reality of your call. Do not be afraid or shy about fulfilling this commission. Just as the sons of Mosiah, you are to teach with the power and authority of God. If you hold the priesthood, you have you also have the authority to administer the ordinances thereof. Okay, so I want it to be clear too that both elders and sisters operate with priesthood authority as missionaries, and both are entitled to to wield priesthood power uh, as they're worthy and and are doing the Lord's will. Priesthood authority is delegated by those who hold priesthood keys. And when you're set apart as a missionary, you're given priesthood authority to teach and represent Jesus Christ. Um, so I think that's just, that's essential to understand that this is uh, that elders and sisters are operating under uh, priesthood keys and have priesthood authority and are entitled to priesthood power because of that authority and because of those keys. Okay, back to the manual here. It says when you are set apart by priesthood authority. You received the right and privilege to represent the Lord. You received a ministerial certificate that verifies that authority that authority to the world. President Spencer W. Kimball said, "The setting apart may be taken literally. Sorry, the setting apart may be taken literally. It is a setting apart from sin, apart from the carnal, apart from everything which is crude, low, vicious, cheap, or vulgar. Set apart from the world to a higher plane of thought and activity." The blessing is conditional upon faithful performance. Um, that's the end of that quote. But as as our uh, as our most blessings. But um, it's such a, a wonderful thing. I, I love uh, the whole concept of, of missionary work. Uh, I love associating with with current missionaries. I love to talk about um, about my missionary experiences and uh, and I love 
sharing the gospel. I hope that this is is helpful. Um, again, this we just kind of touched on a few things from uh, from that introduction to to preach my gospel. Um, if you think this is uh, would be helpful, I, I invite you to share it with someone who's preparing. I know right now um, it's this is early May and. There are a lot of, of elders who are preparing, who are just graduating from high school, or preparing to, to graduate, and will be serving missions soon. Uh, share it with them if you are uh, a full-time missionary, and if you're not supposed to be listening to this, then don't. You obey the rules, or it doesn't it doesn't help. Um, but if you if you can and 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 you have have time, and this is helpful, then uh, then maybe share it with somebody else. But uh, for all of us, uh, I hope that we will. Uh, seek to to share the gospel and to declare it. It is the duty of every member of the church, every covenant part of Israel, um, and especially uh, for the tribe of Ephraim uh, to preside and to share and to and to help to gather scattered Israel. And that's essentially what uh, missionary work is, as as President Nelson has defined it. It's it's helping anyone who hasn't made covenants with God to do so on either side of the veil, and this is um, more specifically for those in mortality on this side of the veil, uh, and, and bringing them to the feet of the Savior to be healed and to be uh, converted and to receive eternal life through his grace and his blessings and his mercy, uh, and to be able to enter into a covenant relationship uh, that will bless uh, individuals and families throughout the eternities. Uh, I I testify that this gospel and work is of God, that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the kingdom of God on the earth, and that living prophets and apostles have been called and authorized and uh, and, and are extending that responsibility and opportunity uh, to specifically to uh, to young men and women and uh, but ultimately to all of us to assist in that work. Uh, I testify that there is joy in doing this work and um, that it blesses our lives and will will help connect us to our brothers and sisters uh, throughout all of eternity. And I share that with you in the sacred name of Jesus Christ. Amen.